Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's episode. Today, I am here with Molly McManus, and we're going to be talking about whole being, well-being with Soma Yoga. You are listening to Creating Wellness from Within, a podcast devoted to helping you live your best life through self-care and wellness. In each episode, we strive to offer you actionable advice and tools to help you on your journey towards greater personal wellness. I am your host, Amy Zellmer. I am Editor-in-Chief of Minnesota Yoga and Life Magazine and The Brain Health Magazine. Additionally, I've published four books on the topic of brain injury and concussion. I am passionate about yoga, wellness, photography, travel, and all things glittery. You can learn more about me at creatingwellnessfromwithin.com. Today, my guest is Molly McManus, and she is an IAYT certified yoga therapist, an ERYT 500, somatic educator, Ayurvedic health counselor, and Ayurvedic chef, offering private instruction, training, and CE opportunities. Molly co-owns Yoga North International Soma Yoga Institute and is co-founder of the methodology Soma Yoga and board president for the International Association of Yoga Therapists. As a person who manages a complex health diagnosis herself, she shares from a platform of self-compassion and kindness and sees yoga therapy as the path to the whole being well-being. Welcome, Molly. So happy to have you here. Thank you so much, Amy. What a wonderful thing to be here with you today. I am so excited to dive into this topic today. It's um, Soma Yoga. You know, I mean, I think to some level, any yoga teacher understands it, but to like dive into it a little more, to understand it a little deeper, um, I'm really excited to hear um, some of your takes on it. Sure. Yeah. I'd love to hear um, how you think people uh, really understand it too. It's exciting to hear that people might really be bringing it into their work. So for us, when we are talking about Soma Yoga, we're really talking about um, a holistic blend of work uh, from the physical practices. We utilize somatics, what might be thought of as more traditional therapeutic yoga, and then a therapeutic approach to classic asana. That's the sort of the physical realm. And then, of course, we're steeped in philosophy, deep, you know, deep philosophy from the Vedic sciences and Ayurveda and Pranayama and all these wonderful other things that, of course, our yoga is really built on, not just the physical practices, but all these deep practices Mm. and subtle practices as well. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, when you talk about Soma Yoga, Mm -hmm. um, What is it that you want people to think of? Like, what is, when they hear it, what do you hope that it conjures up in them? Mm -hmm. I think for me, I really hope that people think of a compassionate, gentle style of yoga that can be for people who are suffering from things like chronic pain or stress or injury Um, depression, anxiety, but it can also be something that a really advanced practitioner coming to yoga who wants to move more into the subtle and to really clue into interoception and, you know, maybe even change their relationship a little bit or even the belief systems that they have 
that some yoga would be something that would support that greatly. A lot of personal growth within the work, even just coming to a class. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think as we evolve as both yoga students and humans, um, you know, I think we go through different phases of what we want from our yoga experience. Like when I look back to my 20s, you know, I just thought it was basically exercise, right? Like I was going to more of an exercise-based yoga class. Um, And then I started understanding there was more to yoga than just the asana, right? Um, Oh, there's more. (laughs) Um, And started, you know, diving more into the, the other limbs of yoga. But still, you know, just it was mostly an asana meditation practice for me. Um, and then now, you know, I've, I've been through a brain injury and other physical injuries along with that accident. Um, and just the subtle yoga and the slow, gentle, mindful movement. Um, it, it's just so much more powerful to me than Mm. the asana, like the, the exercise yoga ever was, if, if that makes sense. Right. I I agree with you um, a lot. I I really think about the practices we do as bringing embodied consciousness, right? That's bringing consciousness to every, you know, every cell of my body. I I know that I abandoned places in my body throughout the years in order to get the job done or to not feel what I was feeling or whatever that is. And so I really feel like what we do helps get you know, first, first and foremost, myself back into my body in a really embodied spiritual way. And then I've seen it time and time again, also do that for others. So it's, it's, it's a a whole health, whole well-being kind of situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, you know, I recently was asked by the city if I would teach a 30 minute yoga class over the lunch break. And I was like, and, and they had previously done this prior to COVID and then they had to abandon it, you know, for during COVID. Uh, and I'm like, well, how many people were you getting? She's like, oh, like eight or nine out of like 150 employees. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how about we maybe call it mindful movement instead? And she was like, I'm okay with that. And because I, you know, sometimes that word yoga, people, again, they think of the exercise yoga, right? Mm-hmm. Or they think of the great big poses. Um that they're like, oh, there's no way I can do that. And I'm like, I feel like if I can pull them in with a mindful, mindful, ex- mindful movement um, class, and then like drop little hints that this is yoga throughout it, right? And just this gentle moving and, and that interoception that you were talking about, you know, like what's your body telling you today? Like maybe it's feeling tight or maybe your hips need a little extra love today. And, um, you know, I, I feel like sometimes people shy away from yoga because they don't fully understand what yoga can offer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a challenge that we want to be able to translate the true gifts of yoga. Mm-hmm. Um, mindful movement is a you know, maybe a good way of getting people in, but I feel it's also so important to make sure people know that they're doing yoga um, so that we're honoring the traditions. And and so I like like how you're trying to pull people in, but then really make Mm. sure that they also know that, um, you know, this is a tradition out of India. It is, it is steeped from, you know, thousands of years. And now we've, we've, in the West have turned it into what we've turned it into. And, yeah. and, and now I think what's happening 
So many of us are even evolving the way we may have approached it before, just like you're speaking to Amy, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, tell us a little bit about what this whole being, well-being, what that means to you. Mm -hmm. Well, I think probably many of your listeners have heard of the yogic um, principles or yogic map of the koshas. So the layers of our experience, and they're often represented, you know, like I always think of it like an everlasting gobstopper where it's multiple layers of flavor yes. inside, or <laughs> talked about, you know, different, um, different ways of looking at it, but many people experience, and it's taught often with the physical layer, the uh, Anamaya Kosha on the outside, and that is a layer of our experience that we, most of us have you know, the biggest reference to, I mean, is we literally can see it. And so that's the one we, we most often associate with ourselves. And that's the one, you know, that we are often working on, we think when we're doing yoga, but ultimately we're, we're working on these other layers as well, which is the pranamaya kosha. And that is the layer of breath and energy and communication within our systems. And then the manamaya kosha, which is the outer mind, and then moving on inward <clears throat> or more subtle in some ways, you might think of uh, our Vigyana Maya Kosha, which is our wisdom sheath, Ananda Maya Kosha. So when I think about whole being, well-being, I think about the fact that, you know, there are some things that people come to me or that I've experienced myself that are physical related and some things that are maybe more emotional or or in my mind and we really want to make sure that our practices are trying to create more peace, um, more ease on all of those layers. And so I think, you know, moving, moving people into more inter interoceptive practices, taking them more to their internal experience actually helps us at all these different layers rather than doing something that's an, um, you know, an imposed just on the body, you know, trying to fit into a form that maybe isn't ours to fit into. Mm -hmm. You know, I've, I, I've often heard this wonderful adage that we don't use the body to get into poses. We use poses, we use practices, we use all those things to get into the body, to get yeah. into the mind, to get into the breath. And so I think it's important for us to keep, you know, laying down tracks to make that more and more in our culture, because we all mm -hmm. need it. You know, there's a lot of stress in this world. Yes. A lot of pain. Yes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I just recently was talking on one of the podcasts about how, you know, we all have trauma. Every one of us has a level of trauma in our body, um, mm -hmm. whether we're consciously aware of it or not. Right. And yeah. that interceptive practice and getting inward and, you know, it can just be so beneficial mm -hmm. for helping to uncover those layers. Absolutely. And sometimes what it'll be is it'll be a taking off point where people go, oh my gosh, okay, I know I'm getting current with the fact that this is happening for me or this has happened to me in the past. I have trauma that's residing in my body or residing in me. And so then they might go on to to get some good support from you know other professions, which is great. But there's also so much we can do within the yoga therapy realm working with the mind and the clashes and you know there's so many different incredible practices in the vedic sciences that are designed to help us work with our mind with things that have happened um the clashes themselves you know these are the afflictions that we suffer 
um, starting from forgetting who we really are, that we're connected and we're resource and all that, um, you know, they, they affect every single person on the planet. And as we start to understand them more, I think we can dismantle their, you know, their grip on us. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about what an experience might be like working with you, um, whether in a teacher training or as, as yeah. or as a one-on-one client um, in the in the soma yoga world. Sure. Okay. I think I can kind of do a little bit of both. Um, yeah. Let, let's say let's say I was meeting with a one-on-one client. You know, I also bring in Ayurvedic practices as well. So. You know, we might do everything from an intake that has lots of different things. What's going on with you? What are your hopes? What are what is the thing that's bothering you most right now in your life, whether that's your shoulder or, you know, the grief you're suffering or whatever that might be. Um, so there is always a component of a physical practice within what we do, even if it's small physical practices. And then there might be things like looking at your dinacharya, your daily practices of um nourishing, cleansing, um, self-regulation practices, all those kind of things. So we really assess where do you need to bolster, you know, the support pillars of your life? Where is something that you can tell it's, it's, it's not supporting you the way you need to be? And so we would find and design practices for that. So there's a balance of talking and designing you know, everything from maybe you need to bring in some more ghee in your life. Everybody needs a little bit more more oil in their life as, as far as I'm <laughs> concerned from an Ayurvedic perspective. Um, but then what are some things from day to day uh, that we can do? Because the on-the-map practices, those one hour a day that you might do, or even 20 minutes that you might do, you know, there's the other 23 hours in the day that we really want to start to bring in our yoga to all of that, all of our practices, bringing yoga there. So that might be what we do within um, a private session and maybe a couple of those designing ones that progress over time. But then if you were to come to a training in Soma Yoga, again, we really use that kosha model. So we do our work and our 200 hour, you know, training is about 10 months long. Our 500 hours just over a year. And then our yoga therapy is two years. And so that's a long training. And we do a ton of personal development, a ton of working with yoga philosophy from the sutras to the Bhagavad Gita, Upanishads. Um, Of course, we're steeped in the yamas and niyamas. It was the book that was written out of um, Yoga North by Deborah Adele, wonderful, wonderful woman. And so we're steeped in, in that philosophy piece. We also add in Ayurveda. You learn a therapeutic approach to classic asana, where we, again, try to really find how do we use the principles of the asana to help support uh, the well-being of each individual and what does it look like for each individual. And then finally, I'll just say, um, our I think one of our secret tools is, of course, blending in that neuromuscular re-education of somatics. It's such a huge benefit because so many people have stress responses that are held underground that they don't even know how to release. It's something called sensory motor amnesia that most trainings really don't know how to work with. And it's one of our special areas that we work with. I just finished a a three-day Soma Yoga for chronic pain resolution, Mm -hmm. just an immersion where people came up to Duluth. We had three days where we worked with them individually, you know, in small group. And 
it was just an incredible thing to see, you know, folks coming in in pain on one day and then leaving with hope and resilience and so much more uh, on the final day. So I think that's what happens in our teacher trainings as well. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. a yeah. lot of development. Um, can you maybe give us an example of um, someone you've worked with, with, you know, the neuromuscular um, retraining? Because mm-hmm. I, I personally find it fascinating, you know, having been through TBI and, and some physical yeah. injuries. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of different, uh, different ways to work with it. I, in the past, probably a couple of months have worked with people with um, hip replacements, mm. uh, knee replacements, where yeah. it's really trying. I've I've actually worked pre replacement surgery and post replacement surgery, depending on people. It's really helpful to get the body um, more at ease for either way. But so in that, in those cases, what I want to kind of point out is most often a lot of these injuries, a lot of surgeries, even you know accidents, things like that, they result in a body that has compensatory patterns and tightness. And, and, and again, normally that's really subcortical. And so what we try to do with somatics with neuromuscular reeducation is actually help a person bring back that motor planning to the cortex. And guess what? Then they start to release those places of tension. So it's really rewiring this brain through the nervous system to the muscle back up. So that's, you know, an example in that way. I've also worked with folks with Parkinson's. I've worked with folks with MS. I've, um, you know, certainly worked with myself. I have a really rare form of vasculitis and it's in, I know that I would be in a different place in my life if I weren't working with these principles. So kind of all over the place. And then I'd say, Amy, also just to say, um, working with anxiety and depression and trauma is also close to my heart because most often we have a stress pattern that is so held in our body that we can do all the talk therapy in the world, but until we start yep. moving through our body mm-hmm. as well, it's hard to release that stuff. Um, yeah. So just to say it's a, it's a, that's a hard practice for me for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so powerful. Yeah. Um, you know, talking about like those replacement surgeries, um, mm-hmm. you know, my sister-in-law, struggled um she's overweight and so they didn't want to do the surgery till she lost weight and i just watched her struggling um i think it was her right knee and then her left hip and back started bothering her and i'm like you guys need to get her in now because she's going to start damaging other parts of her body you know it, it was really it was really frustrating to watch from an outside perspective on that Absolutely. And why, and why couldn't they give her some support even? So if they weren't going to do the surgery, then it's, then it's actually, how do we support your sister to be more functional in her body as it is, right? So that's, that's what I also think is important to work, start to work with people, you know, really this idea of, of being able to tune into what's happening for you and, and really know is important. And a lot of times when we have, injuries we can't or we we have a really hard time doing it without a little bit of support mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and you know, my mom went through a hip replacement a couple of years ago and you know she's in her 80s but like the pt was just i don't know a couple of weeks okay you're good and i'm just like really that's all you're getting 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so knowing that there's people like you out there who can help continue the process, yes. you know, mm-hmm. yeah, PT is great, but you get yes. cut off. Yeah, we work with some great PTs in, in our town for sure. Um, you know, sort of partnering on how to help people find wellness and, and that journey, you know, there's only so long right now that mm-hmm. of course, it, uh, that uh, you're going to have insurance pay for your PT. And then right. we often have PTs hand off clients to us and say they need more support. And that's it's amazing. A great, great relationship. Yeah, it really is. That's really amazing. And I wish that more healthcare professionals could understand how helpful, you know, different forms of yoga really can be, um, you know, just depending on the person's, you know, injury or illness. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're bringing up something really important to say too. It's like, I believe all yoga is good yoga, yeah. but not all yoga is good for everybody. Yes. And so it's important also that if a doctor um, says, oh, you should go do yoga and you have your schedule for a hip replacement, that's not the time for vinyasa. Vinyasa, right. there is a time for vinyasa, but that's not it. And so making sure people get to the right places and with qualified um, folks that have enough information, enough resources themselves to be able to work with what's there. So that's why I love working within the organiz- organization of IAYT because it's building these, you know, pretty big standards for yeah. for what we have to know in order to be a yoga therapist. So, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, uh, Yoga Alliance is doing that as well at the 200 and 500 hour level. So I'm glad we do have somebody looking out for the public in, in many ways, because mm-hmm. um, it's important, you know, keep keeping ourselves self-governed as yoga teachers yeah. is very good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, just, just like with doctors, you know, there's, there's great doctors and then there's not so great doctors. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So, you know, let's, let's just chat a little more about the whole being well being. And, you know, when you, when you're working with a client, um, like one-on-one or in a small group, you know, what is your like takeaway that you want them to really take away on, you know, the whole being well-being portion of it? Mm-hmm. Well, Amy, what I, what you just said was really making me think about something that I work a lot with clients on, and that is the four desires of the soul, right? This idea. Oh, I love it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> of um, um, their dharma, which most people have at least an idea of what dharma is, but dharma isn't always like what you do for a living. Dharma is, you know, what brings you alive. (laughs) And so that might be your job, but it might actually something else in your life. And, And so helping folks feel like they're aligned with their dharma and living a dharmic life, one that isn't going against who they are, is really helpful. There are many times that we in our life actually have what's called pragya prad, which is, you know, a mistake of the intellect where we're we're doing things we know we shouldn't or we're not doing what we should. And helping to really understand that is super supportive, I think, of holding well-being as we get our feet more solidly on our true path, whatever that is. Right? That's an important piece of it. And then the other three desires of the soul, one is called artha. And this is 
you know, think about it as the means by which you, you, you go about your life. And so some of us need to go to college. Some of us need to have experiences that bring us um, the kind of means by which we work with people. I know that even, even the experience for me of having a, a serious illness has made me have different kind of understanding of working with people. And so that, yeah. that is a piece of it for me, right? That is a piece of it for me. But then there's the two other that I think that people have a really distant relationship with often. And one of the, and, and the one that I like to bring up is comma, which is let's think of it as pleasure, but not just, you know, uh, you know, I got my coffee just the way I wanted. It's more like pleasure that is more about communion and connection and really feeling fulfilled in relationship. And that can be a relationship with art. That can be a relationship with a craft you're doing. That can be a relationship with nature. That can be comma as in the Kama Sutra. We all know what that means. <laughs> you know, that could be, you know, sexual relationships. It can be friendship relationships. It's this, it's this connection piece. And so many people, you know, they can't give themselves pleasure without purpose. And so actually reclaiming this for yeah. ourselves is a huge piece of our well-being. Can you allow yourself you know, give yourself enough self-love that you could do things that just bring, bring you bring you pleasure and connection. And what happens is you really have to start to release some of our defenses, let go of some of our belief systems that don't serve us anymore, mm. get in the way of this stuff. And so I love working with people on this because I feel like it's so needed in our, our world right now. What actually brings you joy, Amy? You yeah. know? Yeah. You know, like true joy. So working on that layer, and that really leads us right into that whole idea of the koshas as well, because of course we want to be um, bringing our self back to Ananda, that bliss, that awe, as often as we can. So working with Kama helps us to do that. And then the last one, just to make sure I don't leave anybody hanging here, is moksha, and this is this draw toward um, the spiritual and the willingness to not, and for me, at least this is how I interpret this um, in my life, is that that movement toward the spiritual, toward having that spiritual relationship with myself, but also to being able to practice letting go of um, the worldly things, to not have them be a hindrance to, to you know, my, my bigger life. You know, we get confused sometimes with our elemental nature and our essential nature. And, you know, we are lucky enough to have a body and live a life on this planet, but we have to remember there's something more and really trying to balance experiencing both, being conscious of both is, is I think a big part of living a, you know, a whole well life is, of being totally fulfilled. And, and of course, I'm not going to say that doesn't mean, you know, we don't have hard days. Yeah. Even say for me in the last couple of months, there have been some really hard days, but most of the time I can remember to, you know, get out of that yeah. <laughs> because I have all these wonderful yoga tools. Yeah. And you do too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's like, I, I sometimes wonder where my life would be right now had I not had my accident. Um, cause I, you know, like I said, I was into yoga. I enjoyed yoga. Um, but it was really after my accident that I saw the power 
of yoga, yes. the healing yes. power of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, in a physical way, but also in a mental way, like it allowed me to like sit and be quiet with myself. Right. Um, and mm-hmm. you know, I, I was a professional photographer at the time that that happened and, um, I was really burnt out at it. And, you know, now here I am seven, eight years later, and I'm part of this amazing community. And like, you know, I jumped into this magazine kind of blind. I wasn't familiar with our local yoga community. I only knew my small little, um, my small little area, my circle. Mm -hmm. And it's just been so cool getting to meet people such as you, Molly, right? Thanks, Amy. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. You've had a, you've had a pretty good run of meeting some wonderful. Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, well, Molly, this has been such a great conversation. Um, anyone listening who would like to learn more about you and what you do, uh, your website is yoga north Duluth.com. And as always, we have a clickable link in the show notes, um, but let everyone know a little bit about what they can find on your website, how to work with you. Yeah, for sure. There are private sessions and I do them in person, but I do a lot of them online as well. So I'm really happy to meet with people. Um, We also have classes. I teach every Tuesday morning, 9.30 a.m. Central Standard Time. I teach a Soma Yoga for Chronic Pain and Stress Resolution class. It's a floor-based class. Very, very gentle. Love to see people on that. Um, a lot of regulars, not a, people that aren't even in pain. They just want to come and be yeah. in the class. So, and we do satsanga after that, where we stay after and and just like you would if you were in person in a class, we talk about our experience, that kind of thing. We have immersions where you know, depending on, it might be just a workshop day or it might be three day immersions in the methodology. Sometimes it's geared toward like the one that I just did with for chronic pain resolution. Or it might be more toward really learning parts of our methodology. And then, of course, all the levels of teacher training that we have. Um, We also have some courses that are asynchronous um, that you can take on our Kajabi platform on our website. So that might be something. And I'm on, you know, I'm on all the social media. I don't do a ton of it, but I'm trying to do a little bit more. (laughs) So people feel free to, to reach out and connect that way as well. Well, wonderful. Well, Molly, thank you so much for being here. This has been a lovely conversation. Yay. Yay, Amy. And have a wonderful rest of your summer and fall and winter. And as we move into all these months. So thank you. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please consider leaving a five-star review wherever you are listening to help others on their own wellness journey discover this podcast. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please consider supporting it through a Patreon membership for just $5 a month. That's patreon.com slash Amy Zellmer. Thank you all so much for listening. Have a great day, and I'll see you all in the next episode.